N as in Nora, the number one, P3E4N1. And really, we're well underway. We've been underway to this whole new Brave New World scenario our whole lives, and most folk were oblivious to it, completely oblivious to it. They thought the system they were born into was quite natural because everyone else thought so too. And you all nodded your heads towards each other thinking how normal you were, the big boys at the top who gave you the whole culture and um, plied your minds with predictive programming, laughed up their sleeves because they knew exactly the kind of system they were bringing in. It used to be more incremental in changes, but now since 2001, which is a century of change kickoff, you see, this is a century they planned and talked about in academia, academia for 50 or 60 years. It's now underway. So it's one crisis after another. Crisis creation, shock and awe. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. The big system, which everyone thinks is normal, even when it seems uh, a bit scary at times, and uh, who believe that they're all in the hands of the best people that money can buy, the big experts at the top, in a sense, are quite right. It is, they are the best uh, mouthpieces that money can buy, and they're all bought by the same people. It's just that the public don't know that, because Bernays went through this whole technique. And remember, Bernays really um, got his information from previous generations of uh, particular characters who'd been studying populations for centuries and how to motivate them, how to change society, how to sell your wares even, regardless of what you were selling. Bernays even went so far as to sell wars, literally, sell wars. He sold one to the U.S. and got the whole U.S. involved in it. He was very proud for doing it too. So they get rid of a, a democratically elected president of a South American country uh, and uh, who was actually wanting to share the wealth from the one industry they had, which was fruit. And the big company that ran it all hired Bernays, and he said we're all communists. He put a front news um, group out there, like Path News was a, was a well-known one in the movie theaters before television came along. And he gave, came out with his own one, because no one knew it was his, dedicated to showing all the terrible communist invasions south of the border. And he and the president of the U.S. went along with it because he really wanted something to happen. Presidents love little wars to look good and brave. And uh, sure enough, they went in there, got rid of the democratically elected leader, uh, staffed the place with, and actually filled, filled it full of books, even Marxist books, all on the tables and everything else, utter nonsense. And the company paid Bernays very handsomely for that. And all the folk who were killed were just, well, collateral damage. And that's never changed. Everything pretty well in life is managed. All the upcoming things will be managed too, because they're all planned in advance. If you want to know the, the little gaps in history and the whys behind wars, you, have to, you must go into Professor Carl Quigley's books, the, the Anglo-American establishment. He goes into the setup of the Cecil Rhodes to the Milner Group to the Royal Institute of International Affairs dash CFR. He was the official historian. He was up there teaching Pentagon boys and, and, and uh, the State Office, State Department of the U.S. He was a real bigwig. He picked Rhodes scholars for world government like Bill Clinton, and he fills in the reasons from their own records of the Council on Foreign Relations to fill in these gaps in history, to show how through conflict, managed conflict, 
that they get the outcomes they desired and eventually bring in a world government. So the power of the mind has always been understood, especially the collective. What they hate is the individual, because you're unpredictable. You don't fall into their spell, you don't don't fall under their spell, and you might be able to influence people. That's why they said at the United Nations, the greatest enemy to their version, remember, they mean a certain thing by world peace, as communists do. And they said they'd have to eliminate individuality. And that's why you've had groupthink in the schools and consensus building, and everybody must come to the same conclusions, or you're shunned by the class. That kind of stuff. Then the teamwork in businesses, because they use corporations, you see, to, to also influence their employees for the greater society. Teamwork. You're all part of a team. The team's no use with individuals. You're all part of the team. Teamwork. And now, the whole planet's on board under the expert guidance, as Bernays predicted, because he had a big plan for about 50, 60 years in making this system with the big think tank boys across the world. And he had a terrible, terrible opinion of the general public. And the more that he obeyed uh, all his con games that he put out there under advertising, propaganda, and so on, via governments and private businesses, the more he despised the public for literally copying and doing exactly what he wanted them to do. The opinions propagandized to them became the public's opinions. It's of political correctness of their time, and it's a perfect art today, especially because we've got all this massive media, instant communication, we all get the same stories at the same time. And through conflict, as I say, conflict and shock and awe, they would bring across this whole new world system of what Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years, a man who was praised by all the established newspapers, the Lord, uh, the, the barons, actually, of media, of course. If you ever see the book with, with the original copy uh, of the paper um, bounder on, around the hard copy, uh, they, they thought it was wonderful, this guy with his ideas for massive depopulation, getting rid of the excess surplus, um, lower types of population, and he said himself that um, uh, they could literally find ways to kill off the general public, but it was much better if they brought in a, a new type of slavery. He said, slavery has always existed in some form or another down through the centuries. Now, he got that from his ancestors because they were all involved in it, you see, and lived high on the hog. The hog or us, of course, were swine. So he lived high on the hog, and uh, like all elitists uh, who, who deemed that his proper place, uh, because he obviously thought he had a high IQ, and it, they all believe in Darwinism. He said that um, we're simply creating a new perfected form of slavery, perfected form of slavery. And that's why, through the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, and all the other groups, the United Nations, their big front group for the whole planet, uh, they're promoting servitude. World servitude, you'll serve the world under this guise of equality, but remember what George Orwell said, some are more equal in, than others in such utopias. And these big ones at the top live, as I say, high on the hog. They don't go under the rules you do. They live off the public purse. They live off the public purse. And they're also given incredible cash grants or gifts from the big banking families that own the farmers. Because banking families, you see, international boys also own the pharmaceutical businesses. They have the majority shares. They set them up. 
look at them all and check through the, the list of owners and you'll always find them there and as always remember to the controlling group that never gets sold they never sold, sell these shares that's who owns them pharma they've been down they've been at this for 2,000 years or 3,000 years pharma and money pharma and money you see now going into this con game and everyone gets a hold of the same stories at the same time and it rattles across the planet and certain things are interesting some are important and you have to also look for the things that slip through that you miss it's not so dramatic in a sense but everyone should remember that a few years ago there there were so many biologists that worked in warfare labs or big pharma because they also do warfare contracts by the way big pharma that makes the vaccines are at the, the pinnacle, obviously, of tampering with viruses and bacterium. Because that's all they do, you see. So obviously they're a part of the big military-industrial complex as well. And a whole bunch of them are dying off after the first um, Kelly exposure. Kelly was killed in Britain, murdered and assassinated. He was about to testify to to the highest court in the land about the fact that Blair lied his teeth off uh, about uh, all the weapons of mass destruction but he also was going in to tell them about the biological program they had ethnic specific warfare viruses and so on between a joint program that he'd worked on with Britain and Israel together and after that there's a whole bunch a whole slew of fallen off bridges these biologists all over the place it's a sudden rash of suicide and I guess it was the weather or something. But anyway, uh, here's another article here that ties in with this. Because you see, right now, uh, the big push is to use the same tactic that Bush used. See, it's the same bunch that are ruling the U.S. government today. It doesn't matter if they change faces, even colors. makes no difference whatsoever. And they're, they're trying to, to, to claim that there's weapons of mass destruction in Iran. That was the same guys he used in Iraq. And I think the whole world got so sick of hearing that the same UN boys go in, finding nothing. It was reported in the paper time after time. And then the Bush regime says, well, we have these fuzzy photographs here that disprove that. And the fuzzy photographs after the war turned out to be uh, weather balloon carriers that Britain had sold them, and they knew this all along. So lies are important to get wars going. So... Here's the thing, too. They've got to get all the nuclear scientists, the inspectors, on board, eh? Obviously. Now, a guy who says, I can't go along with this, it's a lie, is, is going to be in trouble at the very, very least. I mean, a whole war hangs, an invasion hangs on this, you see? And this is from The Telegraph, October the 21st, 2009. A 47-year-old man who has not been named died after falling more than 120 feet to the bottom of a stairwell. He worked for the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, an international agency charged with uncovering illicit nuclear tests. And it says, United Nations spokesman, there's another, the UN is like a cancer, it's got little blocks all over the planet. <clears throat> a UN spokesman in the Austrian capital said, there were no suspicious circumstances surrounding the man's death. It was just a heavy dinner. I added that last bit while a police spokesman said no other person was believed to have been involved. No suicide note has been found. The incident happened on Tuesday as, as the United States, France, Russia and Iran held talks close by aimed at cooling tensions over Tehran's nuclear program. Now they want a peaceful nuclear program like every other country in the West and the authorized countries have got. 
for power. Investigators refused to reveal any further background information on the official, but confirmed that an autopsy will be held. That's some power they have when they won't even name the guy, eh? Like they own him. Four months ago, four months ago, here you are, you see, they've been at this for, for a long time. Four months ago, another UN worker, also believed to be British, fell a similar distance at the same building, according to other staff working there. Wow, eh? It's just full of coincidences, this old world of ours, isn't it? It's full of coincidences. Strange, unexplained mysteries. Oh, just strange. But once they get rid of these guys, you see, they'll have all the ones who'll go along with it. Said, yes, we suspect there are. And bingo, they go through Iran, and then they have to go through, uh, uh, I think it's also Syria. Back with more after this break. Through the matrix. Now, Bernie is also, uh, you know, we're going back a long, long ways here, but he wasn't the first one to uh, be involved. In fact, not even his family lineage. Freud was his ne- uh, uncle, remember? And he talked about the, how, how you take over society. If you read his books carefully, he's telling you how you take over society and how you don't even have to, to um, form groups initially. You look for through the phone pages or, or the association membership list, etc., of all associations that are published, and you go for the leaders. And you get ones that are, have certain things in common. You, you, you get them all to agree with a new direction, still keeping their old premises together, but finding something in common. And if you can't do that, you get to the leader, and you find a leader, uh, if, if the one who's already in charge of it, um, that isn't up to par, doesn't just swallow your sales pitch as to what you preach to his followers, then you get the rest of them to get rid of them and get your own guy in. And after that, of course, they started forming societies themselves. And that was the job of the foundations, which is just a front for the banking families and international corporate uh, owners like Rockefellers and so on. So that's how they do it. So therefore you have blitzes happening across the world in this global system by various what appear to be unrelated agencies or non-profit or charitable organizations all pushing at the same time for a big change. And that's how it's done. And it's been like that your whole life and you didn't even know it. Even a lot of the followers don't know it. Of most of those organizations. It's not even necessary that the leaders of those organizations know the whole picture. They must be true believers, and ego helps them to do that. Bernays even goes through the ego technique of making them believe that they're true leaders and, and praise them and all that stuff and reward them, of course, under the table for pushing certain agendas. And right now, as they come into the new system of global control, this socialist Fabian system where those who have the right kind of genes, the right kind of intellects have the right to dominate the rest of you and tell you all how to live, including how many of you must die, even what to eat. And that's the big one that's coming up now, too, as they go into the next phase from every country across the planet are getting the same handouts from their own particular unrelated organization out of the blue. And it's published right into the media because that's what the media are told to do. Take, take it from this guy. Don't change it. Take the handout. Print it up. And that gets the trial balloon up there. That sinks the first premise into your mind 
gets it sort of vaguely in there so you're not totally unfamiliar with the idea and then it, and they increase it steadily on a roll until it seems quite normal when they make it mandatory regardless of what it is that's how the world is run that's why they set up the United Nations with all the myriad of non-governmental organizations beneath it and all who are all funded by the big foundations the bankers front that have multi-trillions of dollars and charitable money to just give away to whom they select <laughs> tax-free too why is that? because they own the governments they're the parallel government you see that Quigley was talking about here's an article from the Australian newspaper and it's Australian October 28, 2009 health new word for total control and it says some cruel souls have suggested that um, Nicola Roxon's National Preventative Health Task Force that's what big word, preventative health task force has a massive social engineering agenda no booze, no smokes no hamburgers, the cut meat up by the way is suddenly all over the place in every country, it's going to tell you it's happening across the world at the same time all that sort of thing, heaven forbid the National Preventative Health Task Force has nothing of the sort in mind. It wants control, to control everything. Promoting healthy equity through healthy weight and reducing smoking and excessive alcohol use also means tackling some of the fundamental polit political, economic, and cultural issues. You understand I've covered the whole base. Political, economic, and cultural issues that affect people's living conditions, the task force report says. This means dealing with matters of governance. There's that word again, governance, from the UN. You see, you're not, you're not under democratic government. You're under this new elitist governance, ruled by experts. That's what they tell you. Although there's paid yobos with big mouths. They love the limelight. That's what they really are. National economic priorities, trade arrangements, market deregulation, and foreign direct investment fiscal policy and the degree to which policies, systems and processes are inclusive. And I told you years ago that the United Nations Department of Agriculture is to rule the whole planet. Mind you, it has these private deals, private public partnerships with guess who? Monsanto, Archer, Daniel, Midlands and all the other boys to make sure that you're going to have the green veggies and nothing else but it'll be their green veggies 90% soaked and their particular deadly pesticides and they're all genetically modified to make sure they alter the consistency of your stomach lining so you have cancers down the road off the bowel, intestines and often they go travel up into your lungs as well that's where all that stuff ends up by the way just follow the veins and the arteries etc so basically this, this health preventative task force it's going to go into every aspect of your life. And I said that years ago. They will. They'll weigh, come in your house and weigh you. And, and if they see you're a pound under, a pound over. I've even read articles from Britain where a woman had letters from the authorities. Because her child, supposedly, for his age, was one pound over. He was overweight. <sighs> even though he was tall enough, didn't look it. He felt fine to everybody else. He was just okay. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
cutting through the matrix. Reading an article from the Australian. And remember, Australia is still part of the British Commonwealth, which means they're a dominion. We're still just little dominions of London. In fact, England really is a dominion of London. And whatever London says uh, goes across the whole Commonwealth. Every country in the Commonwealth with its Canadian Institute of International Affairs, Australian Institute of International Affairs, all belong to the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They all have their own departments, and they have the same policies taking place at the same time in every country. So Canada is no different whatsoever. And they're all funded from the same places, and they're all networked together because they're run by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And this National Preventative Health Task Force, right, says here that the task force members dreamed up a vast bureaucracy to tackle all this. I guess they just got the cash out of thin air, right? To be a facilitator-coordinator and, as required, implementer and commissioner of interventions through and with partners, that's with all the other networking groups and the foundations, and administer national programs. They're going to administer national programs, facilitate national partnerships, and advise on national infrastructure for surveillance, monitoring, research, and evaluation. Oh boy, big brother. I wonder if they give them boots to go with this too. They've got to give them their own little uniform or badges or something. Yeah, you can see them. Yeah. Says they cheerfully christened that this body, the National Prevention Agency, is going to prevent everything except free thoughts and free will and free action on anything. The name was too much for Roxon, but the rest of their agenda seems okay. Legislation to establish the National Preventative Health Agency is before Parliament. And on Monday, the health minister, according to her own press release, met with the key representatives in the sport, food, alcohol, business, and public health sectors to discuss the recommendations of three major health reform reports, the National Preventative Health Strategy, the Health and Hospitals Reform Commission's report, and the draft National Primary Health Care Strategy. The release was titled, and this is what we're going to see get more and more across the board of the world here, it was titled, Working Together, Essential for a Healthier Nation. It means totalitarianism from the day you're born and weighed and weighed forever and ever and ever and poked and prodded till the day you die. But it's also to do with economics and everything else in your life. Because see, governance, governance is a collectivist society. That's what they said at the Club of Rome. It says governance will, you know, will come in. Governance. Well, government. Governance. A rule ruled by experts. And they favored, they said, the collectivist system, meaning the Soviet system, where to the public it would appear uh, a Soviet means ruled by councils. It will appear all these NGOs and professional bodies, you see, are, are um, speaking on behalf of the public. That's what we have already. These are the only people the governments listen to. And they have massive full-time lobbying groups opposite every Congress or every Parliament building on the planet. It's all paid by. Mind you, they also get tax-funded cash slid their way too, mind you. Grants. Gifts. A grant is a gift, remember. And that's the brave new world. And remember too, it fits in with the health, you know, and all this mandatory inoculation and all the other stuff that we have to go along with. Oh, GlaxoSmithKline wins case to stop wholesalers reselling cheap drugs. See, they're the kingpin now, right? GlaxoSmithKline. 
the guys who are reaping in billions with this farce that we're going through of a major pandemic that their best customer governments are their best customers now what a deal when the governments is your best customer you see the bankers own these companies they own all the controlling shares they're part of the military industrial complex by the way that's what they're part of same as making the F-18s or whatever they're making these days it's all part of the military industrial complex owned by the same people at the top and they've got a big big part to play in the world big part their best customer is government and government legislation into law and ooh, they're guaranteed all their sales eh? so they can come up with a new idea or a new crisis every week if they want to and their best customer the government will use their tax money to pay them it's just the only business still working in the world right now the rest are falling apart through taxation these guys get cash grants massive grants you know to to, to coincide with the little grants they give to universities where they come up with all these things and vaccines and stuff as well. These are all inventions and ideas. Then you go back into their big labs at their main secret laboratories under high security where they make all the killer stuff for the military. What a deal. So they want to stop wholesalers selling or reselling cheap drugs. And this is from the Telegraph, October the 6th. It says... Um, Glasgow confirmed that it's received orders for a hundred more more bar last week. It's fine for where is it here? It says in two thousand and one Glaxo's attempts to combat wholesalers buying drugs in low priced Spain. Their drugs, right? And reselling them in more expensive countries such as the UK were rejected by the European Commission. So you see Spain, because the government was already paid off to buy the stuff, uh, were, were giving them out cheap to the people. But a lot of people were also buying them uh, at wholesale and then reselling to other European countries. Now, they were making a massive profit off that, so there are no problems there. But you see, they want the stinking awful big profits they can get from the UK and other countries in Europe. So they were ruled against because it was legal enough to buy it wholesale and resell it. But I guess they paid off the judges because they had another appeal on it, of course, it says the company wanted to raise prices for certain drugs in Spain to prevent a practice which is estimated to cost them billions of pounds, especially these days where they're guaranteed these sales in those countries. However, the European Court of Justice yesterday told EC regulators to reconsider its ruling by upholding a 2006 verdict that the Commission had failed to consider Glaxo's evidence properly, meaning they got paid off in the meantime. That's how it really, really works, eh? <laughs> A Glaxo spokesman said, although we do not currently charge a different price for products, which are not paid for by the Spanish government, we are pleased with the outcome of the judgment of the European Court of Justice in the Spanish pricing case. The ruling came as Glaxo confirmed it received orders for 149 million more doses of its swine flu vaccine. This brings the total to 440 million doses, which is potentially worth more than £1.9 billion with further talks continuing. Oh, he who hath the gold maketh the rules, Armand Hammer. That's what he said. That's what he said. And then, of course, in the Telegraph, they've also got another article, £1.5 billion swine flu vaccine boost for GlaxoSmithKline and Astra. The swine flu pandemic at least the scare of it, will result in a £1.5 billion boost for the UK's two drug, drug giants, according to analysts' estimates. So business, business is booming. No wonder, eh? 
create the fear. Here's, here's a possible maybe antidote because you can't guarantee anything. It might kill you too, mind you, but uh, governments are guaranteed to buy it. That's beautiful, eh? All these small business guys dreaming up little inventions have they pound the streets and sell them all by themselves as they tax them to the ground. Money rules, okay, as you say. Now, here's from Sweden. It's, uh, it's quite an interesting article. It says, fifth swine flu vaccine death in Sweden. The vaccinations are still to go ahead as planned, regardless. This is from the 27th October 2009. Uh, it says, media in Sweden have, are having a tough time maintaining the propaganda as more and more people question the reasons for the mass vaccination. Now the authorities say that if not 80% of the population takes a shot, we risk 100 deaths from the swine flu. Most Swedes know that a normal flu season sees several thousand dead from complications meaning worldwide, from the seasonal flu. So the proportions of the propaganda coming down from media and the government has caused a growing revolt against the massive attempts to scare people to take the poisonous injection. We earlier reported on the first death, the second death, also here, the third death, and the fourth death in Sweden from the poisonous pandemics vaccine shot. By their business is really booming, you know, pandemics. Today, Svensa Dagbladet, reports that over 350 cases of side effects from the pandemic swine flu shot have been recorded so far. It's also become clear that this shot contains the most deadly mix of substances of all the known vaccines manufactured against the so-called swine flu, H1N1 influenza. The official number of deaths from the swine flu vaccine is now five, and that is only those who have strong immediate reactions. That's ones who get within a few hours. The long-term effects are usually never even investigated. If you die from the shot two weeks after you took it, your death would not be considered to have anything to do with the vaccination. I think it even goes to two days, by the way, after two days. Severe health problems years after will, of course, be very hard to link to the poisonous injection. Even if these five official cases died within days, the official story is, of course, as expected. None of these deaths have been confirmed to be linked to the vaccine. So there you go. It's all coincidence coincidence yeah. and in uh, it says here in Afton Blood it says um, Jan Lillimark from the Swedish Institute for Infectious Disease Control says nothing points to a connection oh it's just nothing to do with it there will be more de- there will be more deaths we are looking for a pattern if the cases have something in common well they all have the shot right <laughs> where's Sherlock Holmes when you need him we are dealing with Mariarty here Amazing. Just darned amazing. Now, there's some amazing stuff. As I say, when everything's coordinated and, and, and little bits come out across the planet from apparently different sources but pushing the same thing, that's coordination. That's called networking coordination, and it's also propaganda blitzes. You don't realize that. You think it's only happening in your country. Most folk don't even see who's, what organizations are putting this in the media. It's getting reported verbatim right from the organization. It's a handout. It's a handout. Now, I said years ago, this is all part of this health thing, under the guise of health and climate change. And it's from Times Online, October 27, 2009. This guy who's now climate chief, 
climate chief. He was something else two years ago, and, and even says in Wikipedia he had no interest whatsoever in climate or anything else. Or, but suddenly he's changed his mind. Now he's given this new post as chief of, you know, obviously, uh, climate. <laughs> he's a sudden believer, you see. Climate chief Lord Stern, give up meat to save the planet, he says. Give up meat. Now, there's a whole blitz across the planet right now from articles. Even a book put out by fronts for the UN that get massive grants to do it to tell you to get rid of your domestic animals. And then they give you these farcical statements how many, how many acres it takes to grow that corn, GMO it would be, and to grow that stuff for the Fido's eating. How much flour and salt causes and all that garbage. It's all at the same time. So he's a climate chief, Lord Stern, the guy who's a sudden believer when he was given this position, it comes with a job. You see the light instantly, boom. Give up meat to save the planet. People will need to consider turning vegetarian if the world is to conquer climate change, according to a leading authority on global warming. He's now a leading authority suddenly. In an interview with the Times, Lord Stern of Brentford said, remember Bernays says, before I continue, Bernays says you must be someone with a name because people uh, will bow down to authority. So Lord Stern of Brentford said, Meat is a wasteful use of water and creates a lot of greenhouse gases. I wish he'd come here. He'd be flooded out because it's not going to rain all darn summer. It puts enormous pressure on the world's resources. A vegetarian diet is better. This is guy eats meat, by the way. But he wants you to all eat vegetarian stuff, GM. And by the way, he will not eat GM food. He'll get the stuff that all the lords have with their peasant tenant farmers. They all have them, this aristocracy. They all have their tenant farmers. So does Prince Charles. They have dozens and dozens of them each. With their own herds and everything. And their own crops. To continue with this, um, this uh, hypocrite's uh, spiel here. Uh, a vegetarian diet is better. Direct emissions of methane from cows and pigs is a significant source of greenhouse gases. Methane is 23 times more powerful than carbon dioxide as a global warming gas. Well, 80% of the so-called, uh, remember that the greenhouse gases, is, is actually water vapor. But we should mention that, should we? We should mention that. There's an agenda here, and that doesn't fit into it. Lord Stern, the author of the influential 2006 Stern Review on the cost of tackling global warming, said that a successful deal at the climate change conference in Copenhagen in December would lead to soaring costs for meat. See, they're going to outlaw meat. I said this years ago. All these guys at the top are pushing vegetarian uh, diets. And Newt Gingrich pushed that to every congressman in the U.S., when he was handing out free books of Alvin Toffer's The Third Wave, said we shall create a vegetarian society, a world of vegetarianism, and it must be so. That's the agenda. It will not, it's chiseled in stone. So here they go with, with this stuff now. The soaring cost for meat and other foods that generate large quantities of greenhouse gases. He predicted that people's attitudes would evolve, we're going to evolve our attitudes, you know, by, by brainwashing, until meat-eating becomes unacceptable. I think it's important that people think about what they're doing, and that includes what they're eating, he said. I am 61 now, and attitudes towards drinking and driving have changed radically since I was a student. People change their notion of what is responsible. They will increasingly ask about the carbon content of their food. Well, I'll tell you, I will not be around these characters. It's bad enough we vegetarians to sit and talk about fatty acids and, and, and all this stuff during the meal and what nuts and nuts are better. And my God, it's, it's, it's so interesting and happy a meal you'll have with them. You know, They're, they're obsessed. They're, they're hypochondriacs. Anyway, Lord Stern, a former chief economist of the World Bank. Well, see, that's what he was redoing for years and years and years. The big planning boys. 
and now I.G. Patel, Professor of Economics at the London School of Economics, that's after he went to Oxford, warned that British taxpayers would need to contribute about three billion pounds a year by 2015 to help poor countries to cope with the inevitable impact of climate change. The man is so concerned. Oh, the Gavinot World Bank. You know, the big boss, the big front group for the international bankers. Oh. He also issued a clear message to President Obama that he must attend the meeting in Copenhagen in person in order to, for an effective deal to be reached. U.S. leadership, he said, was desperately needed to secure a deal. Obama will do exactly as he's told, like they all do. And believe me, this, this Copenhagen agreement is, to, is the cap. That's it. World government totally from top to bottom, every part of your life under the whole system of world government. That's what it's about. And it comes into effect, like I said, 2012. That's when the UN was to get risen to its proper status. 2010 for the unification of the US, Canada, Mexico, and maybe Chile, and a few other ones. All, all completely done by the books. The last signatory, uh, signatory takes place on uh, uh, 2010. Total integration. And 2012, the United Nations is the de facto ruler of the planet. Brilliant, isn't it? But I mean, no crystal ball here. I just read their books and their memoirs and stuff like that. The boring stuff, no sex, except the kinky stuff and the vacuums we drink brandy. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix. And just before I take a call, I'm going to squeeze them in. Um, there's an article you should read too. It's um, from The Telegraph. It's 25th of October 2009. It's called The Real Climate Change Catastrophe by Christopher Booker. And it goes right through the whole farce, the history of the small clique of scientists who were recruited to start off the global warming scam. And it's a, it's a very, very good article with various facts. And he even mentions the fact that when it's been debated in the House of Commons in Parliament um, just the other day and pushing the global warming thing and how the whole country and the world had to change to cope with it and all society, uh, it was snowed outside Parliament. This is the first time for 74 years. But regardless, I said years ago, I don't care if you're up to your neck in snow. They'll keep pushing their agenda because they never change it. It took too many years to plan it all. And after they've, got, they've achieved their goal, it doesn't matter anyway if, if, if it sleeps, snows, or gives drought. They don't care. It's to change society so you rule the way they think it should be ruled. You know, perfectly, that is. Their way. Now, there's Antonio from Maryland. They will try and squeeze him in. Are you there, Antonio? Yes, how are you doing, Alan? Yes. I haven't called in in a while. I've yes. always, always listen, though. Um, I was calling, I wanted to, uh, first I wanted to mention something about, um, you were talking about the bankers there, um, and, and there seemed to be a group of people out there that's trying to push for auditing the Fed. I don't think they realize that that'll, that'll just speed up the, uh, <laughs> the change over to a one-world currency. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right on. Uh, they often use other groups to, to push and promote the very system they want to bring in. Yeah. 
Well, if I can, um, I wanted to read a foreword from, you always say you always find a, find a little good piece of something in the book um, um, here and there. And uh, there's a foreword by um, Aldo Huxley yeah, for a book that, uh, that a gentleman wrote. And I wanted to read that real quick. If I yeah. um, it said, um, the book is by uh, Dr. Ashley uh, Montague. Uh, it said the book possesses uh, two great uh, merits rarely found in um, current discussions of uh, human problems. Mm-hmm. Where most writers oversimplify, and uh, he said um, he insists on the uh, principle of multiple interlocking causation, and where most assume that facts will speak for themselves, he makes it, makes it clear that facts are mere ventriloquists. <laughs> yes, dummies that can be made to justify any course of action that appeals to the socially conditioned passions of the individuals concerned. That's she right. said uh, these two truths are sufficiently obvious, but they are seldom recognized, and for the good reason that they are very depressing to recognize. The first truth is to recognize the fact that there are no panaceas, and that therefore most of uh, the golden promises made by political reformers and revolutionaries are illusory. Mm-hmm. And uh, to recognize the truth and the facts do not speak for themselves, but only as man's socially conditioned passions yes. dictate, is to recognize that our um, current educational um, processes can do very little to ameliorate uh, the state of the world. And I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. Uh, the book is um, it's from uh, Man's uh, Most Dangerous Myth, and uh, the book is by Dr. Montague. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's... um. It's an old thing. Even Bernays says the same thing himself. That I mean, he hired the first uh, uh, well-known names. Actually, they weren't well-known at the time, but they're authoritative figures on vaccines to get the first vaccine campaigns going in the U.S. And he tells you how he did it. Again, terrifying the public, and uh, and, the, and the authority figures all from the University of Sons. They even created front groups like the Association of Vaccine Experts and, and with a whole bunch of medical titles. To impress the public. Nothing has changed. No, nothing nothing has changed. And they use their emotions. And afterwards, even when they're caught, it doesn't matter they've achieved their goal and they'll say they'll say that the facts are irrelevant anyway. Yeah. Well you have a good night, Alan. You too. Uh, from Hamish to myself and to your Canada, it's good night. So may your God or your gods go with you.